Hello and welcome to It's Symbolic, where we talk about cult media and I don't think about how we're going to discuss these things beforehand. I'm Jacob Savage. Amir. I'm Ben. Yeah. We we really should just have conferences to work out these segues beforehand, because... What do you mean, we? This is your job. Oh, God, you're right. So, what do you <laughs> think of board games? That's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> mm. What do you think of board games? Don't play them very often. They're for fucking nerds. Yeah. Well... <laughs> they seem to be very popular these days. Yeah, well, the question is... Is chess more or less nerdy than the more modern board game, Tabletop? Uh, nothing is more nerdy than the more modern board game. I saw, there's this place I go to that uh, they have a bunch of uh, board and card games, and there was one that was all about memes, and at, <laughs> at this point I think I can officially say oh that my board God. games aren't and will never be cool again. So um, Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, Were they I, ever I cool like to begin with? Comparatively to some things, yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a loaded question. You know what? I feel like uh, all tabletop was probably killed single-handedly uh, by. Why am I fucking forgetting the name of it? Holy shit! Car- Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> Sorry, I've blocked well, it from my mind because I don't. What you mean? The same six jokes repeated aren't good enough for you? Oh boy, he, this guy played a Hitler card or a card that's like uh fucking uh uh half burnt uh cigarette in like a, a pool of semen and also blood and uh that's comedy, baby. Oh no. Oh no. That that's comedy. Uh, no, we're going to be looking into something more refined than that. And have you ever just looked at one of those classic board games and thought to yourself, you know what? This needs to be more. This um, needs to be I mean, I'm, a film. I'm mad. Nay, a stage production. I'm mad that uh, we expended our reference to Battlefield, Battle, Battlefront, Battleship. Battleship. Battleship, the 2000-aught-something <laughs> movie. Because now we don't. I, I think that was honestly like 2012, that was our 2011. One. God, it, it probably was 2012. Yeah, it was somewhere around that 2011. Yeah, maybe every now and then you, every now and then you hear about something like, oh, they're making Monopoly into a movie. Or did that happen? No, it hasn't happened yet. But you always hear like the movie rights have been sold. <laughs> maybe it's all a pyramid scheme. I hope it's about, like, the making of Monopoly and how it was originally an anti-capitalist game, and it's literally meant to be miserable. (laughs) You know, I don't think Monopoly's that bad. But what about the guy with the mustache? (laughs) Right, Jesus Christ. We are not talking about the Monopoly movie, are we? There isn't one, so no. No. (laughs) Knock stuff over. Boy, this is just off to a rip-roaring start. (laughs) Yes, instead, we are talking about Chess, the musical.
Are they like I I don't know, are either of you particularly big on chess? Uh I feel like maybe there was a point when I was a young and when I was like, yeah, chess is my thing now, and that lasted probably not even a day. Uh, so I'm just going to say... I was about to say the exact same yeah, thing. I think... <laughs> yeah, I wanted so desperately to be good at chess, but alas, I am... Yeah, not. me too. That game that... And you hear about it occasionally because it's used as like the marker for intelligence for whatever reason. It's like, that, you know, this computer is so smart, it can play chess. That's the society's game. Can you play chess? Yeah. I don't think chess. so. You're not as good as a computer. Yeah. And, and alas... So basically, fuck you. Yes. But alas, despite what Ben seemed to be going into before I rudely interrupted him, this show is not literally about chess. Before I forget, this was a listener suggestion by a friend of the show, Livy. Thank you, Livy. And this is actually going to get a bit complicated. Oh, well, chess is already pretty complicated. So I mean, pawns can, move, pawns can move diagonally when they're capturing a piece. What the heck, game designers? Yeah, that's jeez. Oh, that, that that just sounds like something that would go on Cinema Sins. <laughs> Like, if you're going to pick rules, stick to them. <laughs> Just because someone's in the way doesn't mean that you suddenly get to change how you're moving. What if the rule was anyway, invented by chess... someone who just decided to cheat at one point? I was like, oh, you, you haven't heard? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this one gets to jump over other pieces. <laughs> that's, that's why it's on a horse. The horse jumps over. I don't remember hearing that anywhere. No, no. Why else would he have a horse? (laughs) That's what horses do. Yeah, they jump over things. Yeah, I've seen horses jump over a lot of stuff, so... In in person? (laughs) I mean, occasionally, but also, like, uh, wherever I've seen horses, I don't know. It sounds like your uh, number of horse encounters is... Greater than either mine or Jacob's, so... Probably. Honestly. (laughs) Go figure. I've ridden them a couple times. Oh, wow. Never took lessons or anything, but I knew people who did. So you just sort of got (laughs) on one without any, like, formal process or anything? Well... And you lived to tell the tale. (laughs) I mean, I did, like... Are are you a horse person, Mir? I was mildly one as a child... Now I fear horses with my life. <laughs> oh, that's pretty reasonable. <laughs> so this is not a podcast about horses. Um, yes, there are no horses in this show. That's a um, bit of a misleading title then, because chess very much features horses. Yeah, well, have either of you heard of Tim Rice? Yes. No. Well, Is that the answer you expected? You... Kind of. Tim Rice is a lyricist best known for working with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, I do know he that name. worked on him. Yeah, he worked on him with Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Davida. And he also did a number of Disney movies later on. Did Aladdin, he did Beauty and the Beast, he did Lion King. I mean, he's got an EGOT. He's kind of a big deal. And apparently his passion project... 
was to create a musical based off of the Cold War. Because that's a thing that happened. Kind of a big thing that happened. He apparently was going to write a musical about the Cuban Missile Crisis with Weber, but that never took off. <laughs> well, how fun. How whimsical. Yeah, I, I, Knowing Andrew Lloyd Webber's work, I'm trying to imagine how that would go down, and it it just doesn't click. <laughs> like, the real question is, would they have JFK sing in the accent? Boy, I hope so. I, I was going to do a bit here, but I barely remember anything about the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> At least nothing that I can improvise a song about. Well, um, it- My dad once told me a story. I don't think this is i don't know if it's directly related to the missile crisis but like right before they were going to like illegalize all the import and export of goods to and from cuba jfk had his guys go around town and buy up all of the cuban cigars they could find and then made it illegal that's so, politics. Make a song about that, I guess. Or maybe no, JFK I... could sing a song about how he wants a potty platter. If they oh have, my God. <laughs> you have to specifically say, well, if you want to know more about that, you have to uh, go go watch our Clone High episode. Watch? This is a podcast. We have a podcast. <laughs> so listen to it. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, Anyways, I'm glad that I kept silent for most of that so the viewer themselves can uh, attempt to ascertain how much I do or do not know about such important topics as the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> I mean, the Cuban Missile Crisis isn't what's important here. Instead, he decided to write a show about the United States-Soviet chess rivalry. Because was that people cared about thing? the World Chess Championship I mean, back I then? I guess there was just the U.S.-Soviet rivalry for everything. Rockets, True. chess, that's all I've got. Hockey? <laughs> yeah, chess was... was, it, was chess was one? one of the big ones, though, given that pretty much almost every world champion has either been Russian or Soviet. Hmm. So the U.S. wanted in on that, and... They got pretty political about it. Remember, People would leave politics out of our chest. <laughs> but when Rice wanted to start working on this, Andrew Lloyd Webber was writing another show at the time that was taking up a good portion of his attention. A little show called Cats. Never heard of you it. You might have heard of it. Instead... I knew... I have a friend who was I, in Cats. I think it was like a school production. Well, I thought you were going to talk about... I thought you were going to say that I'm Broadway. so sorry. <laughs> Why does Cats I'm have the so reputation sorry. it does, by the way? I've always been curious. And now that I now that Jacob can actually list off some theater trivia that I care about, I figure I might as well take this opportunity. It's just a weird nobody likes it. Yeah, but it's, why? But why do you Jacob, know anything about it? But why? Do you know anything about cats? I I know Mr. Mistopheles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber posturing grandly. It's... Is that it? You know, very big dance, very big production numbers, some of which people don't necessarily feel that it deserves. Also, by the end of the run, they were 
literally giving out tickets just so that it would beat the record for longest running Broadway show. <laughs> well, maybe it deserved it more than whatever held the record previously. Wasn't that a different a chorus line? A different Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, it was a chorus line, then Phantom of the Opera beat it ah. later. Which also desperately needs to close. Anyway, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber was out of the picture. So, a producer recommended that Rice work with a couple of musicians, Benny Anderson and Bjorn Uvelis, who you may remember from ABBA. Yay! <laughs> I'm familiar with that. Yes. Are we talking about chess or cats now? We're talking about Still chess. Still chess. I, I would like to talk about cats as little as possible. I don't... Never... Fuck it. Never mind. I don't care anymore. I tried to ask a genuine question about theater stuff, and I got an answer I didn't understand. <laughs> there you go. You... you that, That's what you get for meddling, I guess. <laughs> You're right. I'll just stay silent for the rest of the episode. These two wanted to work outside of ABBA by doing theater, which ABBA was already very theatrical. So over the early 80s, they would work together on the music and lyrics, where Rice would sort of dictate what he wanted at this point, and then Anderson and Uvalis would just write and record it. Apparently, some of these are just literally ABBA songs rewritten. <laughs> I, I am not joking. There are the same guitar riffs and everything. Why, why fix what ain't broken? Yeah, in the same vein, they would sometimes write dummy lyrics to showcase the rhythm and then Rice found a number of them, quote, embarrassingly good, and put them in the final show. Yeah. Before this actually hit the stage, they decided to see how this would pair with the public and drum up money and publicity by releasing an album. So we got a concept album in 1984 with a basic synopsis of the story and the liner notes in multiple languages. This was actually a huge hit. New York Times loved it, and a number of the songs actually reached very high on the charts. One Night in Bangkok reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100, Wow! and I Know Him So Well was number one on the UK singles charts. So, this was big. They, they had something underway. It sounds big. Yeah. Now... This allowed them to go ahead and start setting up for a theatrical production. I'm not necessarily going to go in-depth on the content just yet. You'll see why. But the premiere in the West End was 1986, with pretty much all of the cast from the original album, with Murray Head, Tommy Koberg, and Elaine Page. And this was going... Uh, off of the English theater scene of the time, this was actually very high-tech and fancy. Like, they had elaborate set design screens all over the walls. And apparently, this show cost, like, $12 million wow. in 1980s dollars. Is that a lot for a, a, a theater production? It is in the 1980s. Um, this, in turn, led to a... Broadway production in 1988. And this is where we get a bit tricky. See, there are four different official versions of the show. 
Why so many? They rewrote it when they brought it to the English stage. They rewrote it completely when they brought it to America. And then they rewrote the whole thing again when they brought it to Australia in 1990. Now, we're going to primarily focus on the British stage version as that is closest to the version performed at the Royal Albert Hall concert when they did it live in 2009, which is generally considered, particularly by Rice himself, to be the official version. I'll try to follow as best as I can and keep you up to date with the changes, but let's just say there is a lot. Okay? You sent do, us... do you think you can follow up? You sent us the Broadway version. I did. <laughs> Uh, I I already gave partially up partially due to, to quality of recording and partially due to the fact that I did not find this out until I was in the middle of researching. Whoops, it happens. show opens at the International Chess Federation's World Chess Championship in Murano, Italy. We open with a speculation on the origin of the game of chess, which I do not know anything about the actual history of chess. Why in the world would I? <laughs> this suggests that it was the end result of a war between two princes where one of them died and their mother was upset so the surviving one just said you know sorry here here's a board game we're all pawns in the grand scheme of things damn bye it makes you think <laughs> We've got the World Chess Championship in Murano, Italy, which we are introduced to in true musical fashion by all of the locals singing about it. <laughs> the current world champion in the British version, the challenger in the American, Freddie Trumper from the United States, very closely based off of Bobby Fischer, comes with his second and his presumed lover, Florence Vassy. Now, Freddie immediately sets things off by being a jackass. It happens. From what I have heard of Bobby Fischer as well, this is not 
too far off. In this case, Freddy just goes into an interview and immediately starts screaming about how Russians are terrible. So, there you go. I mean, actually, the question that sets him off the most is someone demanding to know why his second is a woman and not a man, which is a fair reason to quit an interview. How come your second's a girl, love a boy? What did you say? How come your second's a girl, love a boy? Well, what did I say? He's out of his tree. He's finally picked up between now, the Soviet challenger in the British version, defending champion in the American, Anatoly Sergeyevsky, based equally off of Viktor Kochnoi and Anatoly Karpov, is having an argument with his son, with his second, Molokov, who is very big on the political side of things and wants everything to reflect well upon the Soviet Union. However, Anatoly believes that he has sold out to reach the point that he is at at chess. Which There's just too much money did... in chess now. Where's the love? <laughs> yeah, I know. It used to be about the game, man. <laughs> All of these IBM tie-ins. <laughs> God. I will admit, like, right off the bat, this music gets intense. The Arbiter sings a song about how he only cares about the game and can't be bribed or fooled. As the game goes underway, eventually... Freddy just flips the board over and storms out. In the American version, this is because he got mad that Anatoly was eating yogurt during the game. And in the British version, it's just because he's losing. So, I'm, I'm not sure which is more pathetic, actually. But as a result, Florence has to save his hide, which we get through a very the intense counterpoint game. pattern number. With helping number two. Then she manages to arrange a meeting between Anatoly and Freddy to try to call a peace, and let the championship continue. Of course, apparently, in some versions of the show, this whole outburst was engineered in order to get more money as a result from his sponsor. Global Television 
are represented by the character of Walter. Now, this leads to an argument between Florence and Freddy as they get into politics and their own messy relationship before he just turns this to her father issues. As Florence is originally from Hungary and her father is believed killed or missing after the 1956 Hungarian Revolution. Mindlessly over your childhood Don't let them fool you But 30 years are never same She sings a very intense number, probably my favorite in the show, where she pretty much just resolves to leave him before going right back to doing what she said she would do for him and go over to the meeting. How the cracks begin to show Never make a promise plan Take a little love where you can Nobody's on nobody's side Love is too long in your bed Love is a heart you Freddie does not show up, and Anatoly and Florence bond while they wait for him, which very quickly turns into romantic feelings. I don't know how... Are, are people just like that? Uh, to chess players, yes. <laughs> that's, that's why people does play it? chess players now. Oh. It's just like... That, that's the best way to... Get get some of that action. Yeah, just whatever your persuasion is, chess is going to have those folks all over you. They're, mm. Wait, hold on, I'm trying to think of some sort of, like, allegory. Uh, that wasn't the right word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, even if you're, I meant euphemism. like, the queen and go in all directions. I meant to say euphemism. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. We, we all are. Freddy isn't exactly pleased that his... Second is getting it on with his rival. And as the tournament proceeds, he gets distracted and gets one game away from losing the title. However, as this goes on, Florence leaves Freddy, and Freddy just outright resigns. He just rage quits chess, which you never really think about. Well, you have board flipping. That's basically like... I don't know if people really I do guess. that. Yes, and probably not in a professional level. Have you ever flipped a board in a board game? No, I'm too classy to do that. Um, I've done it, and most of the board games that I play are like pretty fancy, expensive ones, and that would just be like that would just be rude. That'd be you way see, too much of a hassle. That, yeah, that's the thing. I did it during a game of Trivial Pursuit because my brother kept on cheating. 
like actually cheating or yeah yeah he was so he was actually cheating i wouldn't put it past you know him, him to know dumb bullshit he... also oh he wasn't even answering the questions he was just giving himself points Anatoly, upon receiving this newfound chess championship title, decides that he is going to defect from the Soviet Union. As you do. It, it's a celebration. You fall in love, you leave your country. Now, what's going on? He's doing this to be with Florence. He has a wife and children back home. He argues that he will never truly leave his country and that his land's borders are around his heart. Oh, man, no oh, madness, though their sad power may prevail, can possess, conquer my country's heart, they rise to fail. That was a good. That was a good line. Uh, yeah, it's it's a nice sentiment, even though it doesn't really make sense. However, in the American version, this plays out a bit different. He Anatoly still defects, but Freddy does not resign, and the chess tournament continues in the next act. This is different in the British version, as we will get into. I'm um, personally waiting to hear about. Uh... The, the Japanese version that's called Shogi instead. Uh, you, you were just waiting to pull that one out? Yeah, I was trying to look for an opportune moment for that one, and I wasn't... It, 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 it seemed like when it would have been would have been when you listed the different versions, but I sort of came up with it after that, so I needed to just wait for some point when you just mentioned there being different versions. Uh, know, it, it's very nice that you're allowing us a glimpse into this process. I mean, I just hope well. that I hope that worked. If not, maybe you can cut that out and put it in when, when you initially <laughs> introduced the different versions of it. I'll, I'll, I'll take your suggestion into consideration. Thank you. And obviously this part's going to get cut out. Of course. takes place in Bangkok. A year later, in the British version, several weeks later in the American, for either the following year's championship tournament or the continuation of the first one. Now, Freddy is enjoying the nightlife, which we get through one banger of a song, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't actually realize came from this or show. Or this place. Like I said, this was actually a huge hit. It got a music video and everything. It's pretty jamming. Yes. 
In the British version, Freddy is the official commentator for the tournament. Florence and Anatoly are together, but it is part of the rumor mill that Anatoly's wife, Svetlana, is going to be showing up in Bangkok from Russia. Now, this is believed to be a part of Molokov's plan to get Anatoly back into the Soviet Union, because these defections were happening all of the time, and often reflected poorly on the Soviets. Meanwhile, Molokov has a new opponent for Anatoly, Leonard Vigand. We get a whole musical number about how great the Soviet Union is. Apparently a lot of productions do that little Russian squat dance at this part. Is it convincing? Were you convinced? The version I saw did not use this. Oh. (laughs) It, It did not have the squat dance. It had some weird dance. I forget what it's called. Cossack dance. Yeah, it, it... Please. Please. Walter, who is now Freddy's boss, has Freddy interview Anatoly on live television, and things turn into a pretty heated argument. I hear your second controls everything. Jess is her passion. And her obsession is East versus West. Jess is her passion. I know a little about her, and she's got her own axe to grind. That's not true. My private life in public. But don't you get it, not by your Olikov is trying to use Svetlana to blackmail Anatoly into throwing the match by making things worse for her if he wins. And Walter actually turns out to be some sort of agent, explicitly CIA in the American version. And he works with Molokov to arrange a trade of Anatoly for a number of captured American agents. He tells Florence that her father is alive, and that he will also be released if she can tell Anatoly to lose. In the American version, she actually gets to meet with him. You know, I'm trying to realize. um, Yes? This is basically Yu-Gi-Oh, but with chess. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Is it? I I never got too into Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, just conceptually, you know? Uh... Wasn't he? Being... I'm just waiting for one of them to pull out the blue eyes, white dragon. Yeah. Wasn't he being possessed by like a guy? A pharaoh. Yes. So who's like the kid, and who's the pharaoh possessing him? Oh Jesus! That's <laughs> fucking women are he's possessing her man. Am I right? Ugh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage. Am I right? Anyway. The old ball and chain. That's all I got. Go ahead. Upon her arrival, Svetlana ponders over her situation through the song Someone Else's Story, and musical theater auditions have still not recovered from this. 
long ago in someone else's lifetime someone with my name who looked a lot like me came to know a man and made a promise he only had to say and that's where she would be lately also every time you will hear someone else's story at least one person will cover it and it's actually an interesting case as the song was actually written for the Broadway production where it was sung in the first act by Florence and they decided that didn't work so instead they gave it to a completely different character didn't change a word boy they're just playing it completely changed the context they're just playing it fast and loose with this one huh (laughs) yeah it's it's something I feel like if you were to try to create some sort of like timeline comparing uh uh the different the, the progression of all three of these it would be uh simultaneously somewhat enlightening but more than that extremely confusing trust me i, I know exactly what i'm talking about and i'm confused <laughs> Nobody is able to convince Anatoly to throw the game. Meanwhile, Freddy bemoans the fact that his awful childhood and broken home have turned him into the jackass that he is today. Boo fucking who. <sighs> that's that's good writing, baby. Yeah, I mean, of course. I took the road of least resistance. I had my game to play. Both Florence and Svetlana, either separately or together, depending on the version, just reflect on how much they care for Anatoly. And in some versions, they actually bond over this. And Florence admits that it would probably be best for him to actually go back to his family and stop committing adultery. (laughs) Well, it's good that he made that realization, I suppose. Yeah. Anatolia is accosted somewhat by Freddy, who, despite all of their animosity, cannot possibly, in his words, let mediocrity win. I'm pointing out a flaw in his opponent's strategy that should help Anatoly win. I'm warning you, no, it's not about her, your wife or your kids, or 
Money or Walter or Molokov The hell is it? I want to talk chess Chess The deciding game of the match Wherein each player only has to achieve one game to win the title Both women criticize Anatoly for his For basically his treatment of both the game and the women Florence tells him that he should return back to the Soviet Union. He defects back, because, once again, that's, that's what you do when you win a chess championship. You just go back and forth and back and forth. It gets very tiring after a while, I'm sure. Yeah, going back and forth, I think, is kind of just a chess thing. I, I, it happens a lot in ballet, too. However, this means, of course, that... Florence's father will be released along with the American agents, if not for the fact that nobody actually knows that he, if he is still alive. So, Florence has given up everything for nothing, and the show ends with her singing a reprise of the Act One closer, where she realizes that she really only can be true to herself. What a way to end a show. Admittedly, there are, as I said, there are a few differences in the American version, wherein instead of helping Anatoly, Freddy manages to just remain selfish and wins the tournament, becoming the new champion. Because, you know, USA, the American has to win. America has to win. Of course, it always has to win. So... The West End production of Chess, as I mentioned, starred Murray Head, Elaine Page, and Tommy Korberg, was a huge success, won the Critics Circle Theatre Award for Best Musical, received three Laurence Olivier nominations, basically the English equivalent of the Tonys, and this production closed in 1989, lasting a total of three years. In contrast... The American version. This starred Philip Kasnoff, Judy Kuhn, and David Carroll. It was nominated for a lot of stuff. It got five Drama Desk Awards and two Tony nominations. Sorry, got five Drama Desk nominations in addition to two Tony ones. But it did not get an audience. The first preview of the show on April 11th, 1988, ran for four hours. Oh, what? With a 90-minute intermission. Oh, dear. Yes. Apparently, the set for this production had, quote, mobile towers that shifted continuously. It had a lot of issues with that. By opening night, they were down to three hours, 15 minutes, but that's still not very good. Hey, I say any improvement is something to applaud, <laughs> so good on them. Uh, true. But 
Overall, this show on Broadway lasted two months. However, due to the score, especially due to the score, it did get its own following. The book, which was rewritten by Richard Nelson, who didn't really do anything else major until James Joyce's The Dead in 2000, was the, the book was the primary feature of criticism. However, Tim Rice said that after this failed on Broadway, he became disillusioned with theater, and he considers it the best thing he's ever done. Maybe it costs too much brain power for the average person to follow it. Maybe it should have been about funny talking cats instead. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe. Immediately following the end of the Cold War, they did not have much success with this show. And a lot of it was about the tensions of the time using the championship as a metaphor. And as soon as that was done, they, they didn't really have that to draw off of. It was fairly popular when it debuted in Australia in 1990. And in the 2000s, it actually had a number of successful European tours. In Danish in 2001, and in Swedish in 2002. Um, this, as I said, the official version is considered to be the 2008 Royal Albert Hall Live in Concert production, which stars Josh Groban, Adam Pascal, and Idina Menzel. Ooh. So, naturally, by this point, it's gotten some big names attached. And recently, actually, it has been redone again. It was revived for a limited production April through June of 2018 on the West End, with Michael Ball, Philip Brown, and Alexandra Burke. And recently, in February of 2018, they held a limited production at the Kennedy Center in D.C. with Raul Esparza, Ramin Karimlu, and Karen Olivio with plans to bring it to Broadway in the near future. However, this does once again change a few things, most notably bringing the ending a bit earlier so we get no real indication of whether or not Florence's father is alive and the show ends instead on her parting with Anatoly. Like I said, there are just so many versions of this show. There's versions where Freddy wins, there's versions where Anatoly wins, there's versions where her father is alive, there's versions where he's dead. It's a Maybe bit much to keep track of. Maybe all this happens at once, and this is just... It's a superposition. It's yeah. different timelines. Yeah. God. There's some sort of multiverse. You have to find the on one here. true timeline. Maybe these are, like, different endings. And depending on the it, audience it, members' choices, the version they view will... <laughs> or just the country, the country's uh, decisions as a whole. So various historical events have shaped the conclusion that Chess the Musical will reach in that country. There you go. <laughs> it's the Choose Your Own Adventure musical. Perhaps it's, Chess it, is in, in and of itself representative of the decisions we make. And the conclusions that they lead to. Oh, do go on. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's gotten its fans, particularly in retrospect. 
I'll be honest, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't remember much of when I first really came across the show, but listening to it again for this episode, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, so The music this... is solid. Musically, I actually kind of consider it a masterpiece. Yeah. From a plot and story standpoint, it is a mess. Yeah. There is no getting around that. That's pretty much... Uh... The conclusion that I came to listening to the cast recording that you sent us. That, like, there's some seriously bopping stuff on that soundtrack. Yeah. Like, it, it was very much to my taste in that regard. But, who boy, I could not make heads or tails of what was happening plot-wise based off of that. Like, the first one, I was like, oh, sure, they're talking about chess. That makes sense. It's a musical called Chess. Then, boy, sort of went off the rails right after that. Yeah, I mean, you didn't, did you expect a musical that was literally about chess? To some degree. Is that I mean, so wrong I... of me? That I can take something at face value? A couple of the numbers are the chess games. Which... Maybe I just wasn't paying that much attention. I'm not good with picking As... up lyrics. I mean, from what I can tell, the chess games, at least in the modern production, I saw a full recorded performance of it. Illegally recorded? No, it was officially recorded. It was released through PBS, actually. Wow. Oh, alright. If you say so. Yeah. I, I know my sources. Alright. But a lot of the chess was represented through ballet dancing. It happens. But, yeah, I, I do return to the soundtrack time and time again, and I'm not sure why. I, I did legitimately enjoy the version that I saw. Maybe it was just because there was so little dialogue that you had to focus entirely on the music, and that was the strong point. I, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to find specific news one way or another on whether or not the show will be coming back to Broadway. I honestly don't know how I feel if it if it does. Wait, uh, you, you know... Yes? I, I want to let you know uh, whether or not it's coming back. So I think I'm going to pull up Google and uh, and check, mate. Jesus Christ. It, you didn't even have the decency to do an Australian accent? Uh, I don't do voices. Hmm. If I ever do a voice on this show, uh, uh, I have a, a, a USB gun plugged into my computer that will shoot me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cry for help uh one of those a, it's a service. they have a gun to my head and i can't say anything no this is self-imposed and it's a service i provide oh guaranteeing if you, that I will if not you give to our any, patreon <laughs> guaranteeing that i will not attempt any voices <laughs> oh that's what you mean yeah I thought you were saying he would only do voices at gunpoint. No, I will never do voices, including at gunpoint. Oh. When the gun is pointing at me to ensure that I don't do voices, because I don't want to do voices, and I also don't want to get <laughs> shot, so I'm not sure why the gun's there in the first place. Anyway. So, the first of ABBA's musicals. And, in all honesty, is it a bad thing if I say that I think it's the better one? I mean, I not, I'm not interested in hearing not ABBA do covers of ABBA's songs and calling it a musical. I just had to use Google to confirm that Mamma Mia was what you were talking about. 
Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, it, I would appreciate some congratulations on the fact that uh, my first guess was correct. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Good Thank job. You. And, admittedly, that one was a lot longer lasting. Yeah. Like I said, it, it, it's legitimately a good piece of theater. It's good music. And I recommend taking a look at it. It, it is thoroughly 80s, and it's all the better for it. Thank you for listening to It's Symbolic. If you have a suggestion for us to cover, once again, this episode was a suggestion by friend of the show, Livy. You can contact us on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see a lot of pictures of costumes using black and white motifs. Some of them were more clever with it than others. Oh, it's like a chessboard. <laughs> yes, did you... Did, did did you seriously not get it for the first few seconds? No, I thought it was like, hmm, that's like vintage. It's old-timey. <laughs> oh my god. And no matter how you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, whatever, be sure to spread the word, leave a rating, review. It helps a lot. That's how people find out about us. And you want us to succeed, don't you? Wait, did you make a Please. joke using the word check about, like, checking our Instagram or Twitter or anything yet? Not intentionally. N- no, but I'm saying uh, you you should do that, and if you haven't do that, you, you haven't, if you haven't done that, you should, uh, you should give that a shot. I don't know a lot about checks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna pull the trigger on this one. No! <laughs> I'm Jacob. I'm here. <laughs> I thought I was pulling the trigger on the USB gun that I have plugged in. And... <laughs> Scare me for a second. Uh, I'm Ben. Join us next time when we talk about fishing or some shit. I, I, I don't know. Ben's running the next episode. And you could I have at least tried. I want to know what you think it's about. It's about... I, I never do segues, so I don't know why you think this time would be different. In, it's about using a fishing pole for platforming. That's too... I, I thought we usually go for stuff that's more subtle than that. Yeah, that, that that's the problem. I can't think of anything that's fucking subtle! It's well, subtle to me, because I have no idea what we're talking about. Maybe you should have consulted with me beforehand. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And also, there's giant fish walking around? I, I don't know nope. what this... Still, still, still not a good hint. God, I, I don't... <laughs> Better luck next time. I mean, I I could have gone for some shitty fishing for compliments. Too. I spent my whole life playing games.